It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for joining me, Locked On Avalanche Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And like as of late, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar over at BuiltBar.com. Enter the promo code Locked On at checkout for $10 off of your first order. For the show today, we will talk about the need for sports and how uh, just how, how things are pretty much going crazy in this country. Uh, I had the mindset of maybe it's not the best to, to bring back sports. That was before all of this had started going on. Now, uh, thank God that's not happening because the opposite is true. Uh, we will I'll, I'll air a interview that Bowen Byram did over on the Sports Social Podcast. And I'm going to play Homer for a little while um, at the end of the show because I I had a conversation with a fan of the show over on Twitter. And he brought up a good point, which I don't really think about too much when it comes to the Avalanche Superstar. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. But first things first, follow the show on social media platforms on Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche, on Instagram, Locked on Avalanche, and send your questions, comments, concerns, and opinions, or if you want to be on the Fandom Friday segment, to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com, or get a hold of me through Twitter, which is where most people do get a hold of me. So I'm on there more than anything else. So anything you want to say or comment on, that's the best place to find me. All right. I had said over and over again, how this is, you know, before uh, kind of protesting and all the stuff that's going on across the country. I had said many times, there's really no rush to bring back sports. In particular, hockey. This is a hockey show, obviously. So when I was saying that, it was more geared towards the hockey world. At the time, going in March and April, it just didn't seem like it'd be possible with just how the numbers were going up with the coronavirus and really no end in sight. I give the NHL credit for holding out as long as possible and having a plan in place. We all know about the plan. We talked about that last week. But, you know, you have to give credit to the NHL and and Commissioner Bettman for sticking to their guns and not just not blowing the whistle as early as I was. Uh, because if it was me in charge, it would have just been like, this is, you know, we, we can't worry about hockey. Look at what's going on in the world. And when it comes to just the virus now, we haven't even got to protesting. Uh, look at what's going on in the world. Like it just look at any graph. And it's just like, you know, the, the beginning of a roller coaster. It, it's not looking good. So if it was me, I would have shut the doors early, 
I, I'm glad it wasn't me, and I'm glad we will get hockey back in some capacity. Now, fast forward to about a week ago now. And everything that is going on across this country with protesting and rioting and looting and everything that is going on. And you have... Uh, <laughs> sports does not solve problems. It's, it's there to, to, to entertain us. Sometimes we get a little bit too carried away with how it entertains us. And we, when, when a team wins, we resort to what some of what is going on in the outside world right now. And some people think, like, I'm not going to say that's okay. People don't think it's not okay to destroy anything in your hometown. But it's looked at differently than how this is looked at. That is what it is. More or less, we need something to rally behind. In this country. And most of the time, that's sports. And not having a sport or two. If a sport is, like hockey's been through it. Baseball's been through it. Football's almost been through it. Where where a, a sport will be locked out. And a season will be lost. Or maybe a couple games will be lost. A couple months will be lost. And then the two sides come together. A deal is made and you have your sport again. This is obviously across the board where we have nothing. There is nothing to rally behind other than these athletes going on social media. But it's one thing for them just to follow them on social media. And I think their words kind of just get lost in the vastness of all the other words that are being said by everybody that's on social media. And it's different when you make... 20,000, 40,000, 50,000 people pause, go to watch a game, and come out maybe feeling a little bit different. Um, you, you make people really kind of just forget about, and that's not to say that they should forget about it, but it just, you can walk into a baseball game feeling anger and three hours of sitting and watching a baseball game, which is a more relaxed style of sport, walk out feeling like, okay, I wasn't as angry as I was when I first walked in this game. Even if you do that from home, that's beneficial. So to get something back that millions and millions of people in this country rally behind sports is what really makes this country tick. Everybody gets behind sports. No matter what, no, you know, doesn't matter because it transcends everything. Doesn't matter what gender you are, what race you are, what color you are, does not matter. We all can rally behind sports and to not have something to rally behind right now because, and I don't get political, but the person who we should be rallying behind is really not doing the job. So we need something else. And like I said, that's usually sports. So to not have it is just, again, it, it, just to, to say like we don't have sports and, and because we don't have sports, this is prolonging all of the protesting. Is, that's not what I'm saying. Like protests should be happening. The, the, what they're doing is, is the right thing to do. 
in protesting and what they're protesting for. But to not have that just like respite to just relax and just get lost in a baseball game, get lost in a hockey game or a basketball game or anything is, I think, just hurting us even more because we don't have that. And I guess the good side of it is you do you see you see the bad in in people, but you do see in people. In particular, this very network. I won't go into details, but um, an email was sent out by our owner who said, you know, we are supportive of of peaceful protesting and what they're protesting for. And it was a very good email. And the first response was from a host of another show that said, well, let's do something. Let's, let's, you know, let's do something together. And the email started flooding in from other, because this email went out to every host on the Locked On Podcast Network. And the email started flooding in after that about let's get donations going and give them to something and one after the other after the other. And you can scroll through that email chain, which seems like an indefinite amount of time. Every single person on this network said, let's not just talk about, let's not just go on our show and talk about it. Let's actually do something. So that's the kind of stuff that I like. And that's, that's what I'd like to be a part of knowing that, yeah, it's one thing to just say there needs to be change, but I'm actually part of something that can do something. Is it going to be earth shattering? No. I mean, it's it's not just one entity that's going to change any of this. It's got to be a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit everywhere. And that's what this network is doing. That's what it's going to do. So you probably will hear details of that whenever they get ironed out, because I don't think the owner of the network was anticipating that response because after about an hour of emails flooding in from all these hosts, he sent another email back and he was just flabbergasted. So they're setting something up and that's just the stuff that you like to see. And that's because this is sports and we rally behind sports. So I am, I'm glad that I am not in charge of the NHL because I would have shut it down. And now I would have felt insanely guilty for having done that way too early because there could have been an opportunity to open back up and give people something to watch and something to rally behind. So thank you, uh, Gary Bettman for not listening to me and the shows that I had done calling for that. And I just can hope that right now hockey, you know, we're maybe about a month away and it's going to be the longest month in a very long time. These months have been flying by with this coronavirus and now these protests and that senseless killing. And this is going to be a very long month, but I, we need to get a puck dropped so we can rally behind it and kind of hope that's the start of getting back to some normalcy in, in our country because we need it right now. My name is Paul Stewart, a third-generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, 
but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy Feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give Easy Feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy Feeling Wellness. Enjoy every day. So whenever the Colorado Avalanche do get back to hockey... For this year, they won't have Bowen Byram on the squad. But let's not kid ourselves. He is a future player for the Colorado Avalanche. And let's hope he has a very long and fruitful career. He was on the Sports Social podcast the other day. Really good interview. I'm going to play it for you now. And then we'll talk about some things on the other end of it. When we got an opportunity to see Bowen, there he is. He's looking good, of course. There is uh, outstanding. Bowen, yeah. hi. How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? Going good, buddy. Thank it's you. great to have you on board the program, Bowen. We were just talking about you. And, and Connor and I got our first glimpse of you last year at the, the Rookie Symposium and everything. And then you go on up and you play up uh, in, in Ford Collins, and we had a chance to watch you a little bit. And kind of your first feet-wet experience in a Colorado Avalanche sweater uh, where have you been from, from that point to where you are right now in terms of growth of your game? Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I've come a long way um, since then. I didn't quite have the start to the year I, I wanted to have um, coming out of training camp with Colorado. But uh, I think um, the World Juniors was definitely a, a big confidence booster for me. And, and ever since then, I think I was playing uh, really good hockey up until the, the virus hit. So uh, I think I was just trying to work on um, rounding out my game completely, and I feel like I've done a pretty good job, job of that. 52 points in 50 games. I think that's okay. That'll qualify. It's just fine <laughs> for the Vancouver Giants. Um, where are you? Are you in Cranbrook? Or are you in Vancouver? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm in, um, I'm in Vancouver right now, Tawas. And so, uh, as you can see, it's a beautiful day, so hopefully I'll uh, catch some sun later. Well, yeah. <laughs> People forget how nice BC is in the summertime, especially on the coast. You can't, you can't beat it, Bo. You can't. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's beautiful. Hey, let's talk a, a little bit about, uh, again, how you talk about the season. And obviously, Connor and I, we follow you. I'm sure a lot of Appalachian fans were checking out what the Giants were doing this year. And last year was a phenomenal year for you. I mean, it got you drafted number four overall by this Avalanche squad. And, you know, it's hard, I guess, to live up to expectations. Now you're a first-round pick. You're a top-fiver. All these things are placed on you. But you did get off to a bit of a slow start. And it's interesting, too, Bone, because you look at it, even a guy who goes top-five in the draft, hey, man, you're a human being. If the game's not feeling right and it's not coming together, you can lose a little bit of confidence. But you really turned it on, as you said, after the World Juniors taking home that goal. Yeah, I think it kind of started in, in training camp for um, the Avalanche. I didn't quite have the training camp I wanted to have, and I think that kind of just followed through into the season. So, um, yeah, like you said, uh, I'm not afraid to uh, admit that I, I wasn't at my best, but I feel like um, I had a good um, showing at the World Juniors, and then after that I started to play really well. So I was happy with that for sure. Well, you talked about training camp. Um, how, how big was the difference between the hockey that you were used to either at – the World Juniors, or in the dub to an NHL training camp, how big was that leap? 
yeah, it's crazy. Um, you're playing against men. I mean, there's guys that are 30 plus years old, so uh, it's it's very different. It's it's fast hockey, but um, I think I can I think I can play. Um, I'm confident, but uh, it, it's not easy. It's the NHL for a reason. Um, it's the best league in the world for a reason. It's all the best players. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to um, improve as much as I can. I've been working out and skating a bit now with things opening up. So, uh, it's a it's a big summer for me for sure. You know, I, I like. What I saw out of you, obviously, in the rookie, suppose you've been in the camp. And, Bowen, I think the abs like what they saw, too. I mean, they gave you a really hard, long look. You know, they're like, we want to see what this kid's all about. And I think the idea was for you to go back and, and play juniors. But they, they wanted to really see what this youngster is all about. I think you acquitted yourself quite well in terms of, you know, physically hanging in there, skating, and all that sort of thing. I, my question for you right now is you're listed at 61192. Where are you right now um i'm pro i'm like six one like 205 ish right now probably i put on oh, yeah. um i put on probably like 10 pounds from january to to now i guess so uh of muscle i hope anyway so, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you know that's what connor and i have done the last couple of months too. <laughs> on uh 10 15 pounds of muscle from mcdonald's yeah <laughs> yeah exactly dude Oh, but I mean, the, the, the size is a big thing. I mean, I, I think especially as a defenseman uh, and the NHL that you talk about, the size, even if you're an offensive guy, um, you need to have it, right? I mean, how much has that really sort of crept in in, in the past couple months, maybe half a year? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've, I've been really working hard in the gym, um, trying to uh, get, get my strength up. I, I'm feeling stronger in the gym than I ever have. So I, I'm really happy with that. And obviously – um, I've got X amount of months to, to keep working on that um, until training camp or whatever happens. So uh, I, I'm really happy with where I'm at um, with, my, with my body right now. And like you said, it's a, it's a huge thing in the NHL. Um, I don't think I'm a small guy, but I'm definitely not, not one of the biggest. So um, any, any advantage I can get is definitely something I need for sure. You know, Bo, when you look back to this Avs team a couple, three, four years ago, the blue line was – was suffering. They had some aging guys there, and Joe Sackick made a commitment and said, hey, listen, we're going to go younger. We're, we're going to get more skill. We're going to go faster and so on. And they've really done a remarkable job rebuilding that blue line, of course, with Eric Johnson leading the way and then the trades that were made. When you look at that Avs blue line and you look at Kale and what he's been able to do, but all the guys that are involved in that, what do you see from the outside looking in? Yeah, well, I think you see um, a good mix of uh, kind of defensive guys, physical guys, and then and obviously you've got um, Kale and, and Gerard who are both uh, gifted offensively. So I think they've, like you said, Joe has done a really good job of um, putting a really good blue line together. Um, obviously, I, I want to fit in there uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, but I think it's a good challenge for me to, uh, to really um, work hard and, and come into camp in the best shape as possible and give myself the, the best chance. Bo, your hometown of Cranbrook, B.C., is actually closer to Calgary than Vancouver. It's out sort of southeastern British Columbia. I was looking at this. Rob and Scott Niedermeyer are from Cranbrook. Steve Eiserman is from Cranbrook. I mean, you talk about some some heavy hitters as far as NHL talent. <laughs> uh, they're okay. They're All okay. Right. Yeah, but, they're okay. But, I mean, how much contact has there been with those guys over the years, if any? Do they ever come back? And, and how much influence have they had on you? Um, well, Rob, Rob lives in Cranbrook now with his family. They have a ranch just, um, just outside of city limits. And then, uh, 
Scotty, I know him pretty well um, through through my parents. My mom's good friends with uh, his wife, and and dad knows him from skating and, and working out in the summertime in Cranbrook. So uh, I, I know the Niedermeyers um, pretty well. I, I don't really know uh, Iserman very well. I mean, I met him at the combine there when I when I met with Detroit. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool though. I think Cranbrook has has a lot of good players that have come out of there. So it's uh it's got some uh, rich hockey history for sure. Hey, listen, Scotty Niedermeyer, maybe the – I don't know that I've seen a defenseman skate better. I take that back. I mean, there's there's been some great skaters, but my goodness, yeah. when you watch him, the way he plays, the silky smoothness that his game had was absolutely amazing. Last one for you, Bo, before we let you go. All right, so here you are. You're coming off this season. High hopes for – I know you have high hopes. You're going to go whenever camp is and try to kick some butt and try to earn yourself a spot, but – what do you want to work on between now and then? What does Bowen Byron think he needs to do to get himself ready to take on an NHL-type role? Um, yeah, I think, like we talked about, size is a big thing. Size and strength, um, speed as well. I, I got to be able to skate at, at that level, so that's definitely something I'll be focusing on. Um, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I think I just got to improve in as many um, areas as possible as you can with the limited resources right now going on with the COVID and whatnot. So, um, I, I'm really excited for uh, the opportunity that awaits me, but uh, I gotta I gotta work very hard, and um, hopefully I can um, put myself in a good spot for for whatever comes and whenever time that is. Keep the flow going, dude. Keep the yeah. flow going. Katie, you saw his draft pick, right? Yes. He's, he's looking. He looks like Cutter. And yep. now, now look at him, man. He's got the full flow happening. Please forgive me for asking this because I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but you have like one of the coolest professional athlete names of all time. What's the story behind your name? Um, I'm not sure, honestly. I've asked my parents this before. I know there's like, my mom's um, been on like the West Coast lots in Vancouver. There is a Bowen Island um, near Vancouver somewhere. I'm not totally sure that played into it at all, but that's what I kind of tell people. We're going to go so, with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Don't Luca now, but the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstadt. To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally... Sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so I think I think so many times, like right now, just where the avalanche are, I'm not saying you forget about them having players like Bone Byram, but you you sometimes do. You sometimes forget, like, this isn't it. What we have right now is 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 great. But this isn't it. We we have a a talent pool that is the the, the deep end is deep. And I like what I hear out of him. 
Uh, he, he has, you know, he's a confident guy, but you can tell he's building more confidence. And he said, even in just in the gym, he's more confident in the gym than he's ever been. Uh, and, and just putting on 10 pounds of hopefully muscle, which was it, not many people are doing that during uh, this whole pandemic. Uh, but hopefully, you know, I'm sure if he's doing well in the gym, I'm sure it's 10 pounds of, of just solid muscle. So he's up to 205. I think he was 192, 193 when he was drafted. So yeah, he was an undersized guy, but that's okay. I mean, we were okay with with having under not not severely undersized defensemen because you, you don't want that. But it's not the de- defenders are no longer, you know, just the bruisers. They they have to have some offensive talent. He's got tons of that. Uh, you know, over, what was it, 52 points in 55 games? Or was it the other way around? I don't know, but it, it was, it, you know, for a defenseman, that's in, incredible. doesn't matter what level you're on. So uh, I like hearing about that. They talked about his size a lot, but he, he's he's getting better in that aspect. Um, I think the one thing where, I, where I'm picking out of him, and I am pretty good at reading people and body language and things like that, uh, the speed, I think, shocked him. I think... You, you hear about speed all the time in, in hockey and how fast of a game it is when you're on the ice and experiencing it, that then it, then it really hits home. And I think that's, that's what really made him struggle in the very beginning. And it took a while to get used to that. And guys like him who have all the talent will eventually get used to that. And I think it, he slowly started to adapt his game to it. Uh, and figure out how to play with his skill at a different speed. Um, and now he's a little bit more comfortable doing that. So he's in the perfect situation. He doesn't have to rush any of this. We're okay. And whenever he does come up, just look out because the defense is good as it is now. Um, could it be a little bit better? Yeah. And I think somebody like him will make that defense that much better. All right, and the last thing I just wanted to touch on, I'm not going to go into too much of a rant here, but I was having a conversation with somebody on Twitter, and they brought up a good point about uh, Nathan McKinnon. And he was commenting on the show I did uh, the other day about the, the top five teams I'd like to see the Avalanche play, and with Edmonton being the number one team, I'd like to see them play. And he said that, he would be cautious of wanting to play Edmonton because of not, not because of, of Connor McDavid's skill. Obviously that comes into play, but he gets calls and that does have to come into play here. I'm not, I don't want to make this the end all be all. And you know, the rest will decide the series. I'm not going to go that far, but players like Connor McDavid get, calls and players like Michael Jordan as great as he is got calls Sidney Crosby drives me crazy gets calls doesn't it seem like Nathan McKinnon doesn't am I like he, he doesn't to the the amount that somebody like Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or how we were talking about Wayne Gretzky does and Wayne Gretzky is the greatest player ever played you know the refs didn't help him there but uh, and I don't think it was as rampant as it is now because the you know Connor McDavid is when he came in, especially Sidney Crosby. When Sidney Crosby came in, he was the NHL Golden Boy. He was the savior. 
we need to protect him at all costs. Referees, are you listening? And I think they took that to heart and went a little bit too far with protecting him. And it didn't really help because he's got umpteen concussions and guys started targeting him. Maybe because they were fed up and getting calls. I'm like, hey, if I'm going to get a penalty, I might as well make it count. Uh, I Let me know if you think I'm wrong or if we're wrong. And having, I mean, we agreed that we don't think Nathan McKinnon is always labeled superstar but doesn't get superstar treatment. In a way, I'm okay with that because I don't want him to just get handouts and just, you know, just because, and I don't think he wants it. You know, he he's going to play the game and he's going to go full bore and not expect a penalty if he's going to make a move. And so many players do that. LeBron James, I actually like LeBron James. And he's not the only one that does this in the NBA, which is part of the reason why I can't watch the NBA is because guys make a move and they expect the end result not to be a basket, but to be a foul. And when it doesn't happen, when you, they are built human beings, and and when they get touched on the arm and they're throwing their hands up in the air, like what is the wrong, what is the matter with you? My thinking is like, can't you take that? But I'm a hockey guy, so it's like I I, I kind of get upset about that. But I'm kind of. Going a little bit off a of topic, but let me know. Let me know. Are, are, do you feel like even though Nathan McKinnon is labeled superstar, he doesn't get superstar treatment from referees? And let me know if you think that's if you're fine with that because that makes him play through it and he's not expecting to get calls. Um, or do you think it's kind of kind of one sided when we say you know Sidney Crosby's and. Connor McDavid's and they're getting these calls, which are, you know, you can see some of these calls and are just like, "Mm, is that really a penalty or did you just want to protect the golden ticket? Let me know what you guys think. So uh, it was, it was a good take on why, you know, I wouldn't want to see that for seven games either because now you're playing on your heels and it's like, what do I do? Do I not, do I go in and touch them or do I, should I just play my game? And if I get called, I get called. So it was kind of a, a different take on it, and I appreciated that. So let me know what you guys think. Find me on, like I said, Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche, or send to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So that's going to be it for today, guys. We will see you on Wednesday. I'm still working on doing the week's worth of crossover shows with the other three teams that are in the round-robin tournament with the Avalanche. And uh, so that hopefully will be next week. I'm still kind of working on that. For now, that's going to be it for today. I'll see everybody on Wednesday. And here's Joby. Go, Abs, go!